So I thought, okay. So that began the journey. Uh, it was probably four or five months later, I got, I got out the iPad and went, oh, so how do you start a book? And I just started, I had a few ideas floating around and started going and then, you know, another year, how's the book going? Oh yeah, you know, it's just sort of very organic, very fluid, um, procrastinating. Um, but, but then it came to the point where, Karen, I've, um, I've got it. I, it's, here's the manuscript. It's already, it's like... <laughs> so last weekend, true to her word, we went down to Cullen Wine. And we had lunch and we took a couple of photos of, uh, and we put it on um, Facebook and Instagram. There was a photo of us five years ago. And then there was a photo of us, you know, last weekend, and I'm doing a bit of <laughs> like that. And look, the whole process, it, it is exciting. It's a real, uh, quite a, a venture. It's a project. But I've got to say, right here, right now, I am feeling a little bit vulnerable because it's not just research. I'm not just sharing facts. This is my story. It's called Shame Off You. And then the little sort of subtitle, Unshaming mental health struggles. And so it's my story of my journey with the turmoil of shame associated with an anxiety disorder, panic attacks, uh, counselling, medication, times where I was doing well for, you know, six months or so, then, you know, major panic attack on the plane, and then it, just my whole journey. It's very raw. It's... Uh, I'm quite transparent. And so for anyone who writes, uh, writes a song, paints, uh, starts a business, there's the exciting stage and you know, you tell people, I'm going to start a business, I'm going to write a song. And then you finally, uh, what can I write? I don't know. I know I can preach. I've been doing that for 30 years. But, and, and, and so hence, I've had to deal with this emotion that we all experience of vulnerability and it's even rather ironic that this is my last message because we're in a season not just with the book but people ask us so when you're leaving it's uh, the 3rd of December so we've, we've got our flights booked where are you living I don't know oh you haven't got a house yet no what about a job I don't know and we just keep saying I don't know I don't know I don't know it's exciting but oh, don't we feel vulnerable. So this message, never preached it before, this is a message for you, it's a message for us, Karen and I and our family, because vulnerability is that sense of feeling exposed, emotionally naked and open to attack. But to be vulnerable is to be human. Every one of us experience vulnerability whether it's on a daily basis or a weekly basis. And of course, this isn't just a once-off. This is one time I felt vulnerable. I felt very vulnerable in 1994 when we started a church. I couldn't hide behind a senior pastor, associate pastors, a church that has a very rich heritage. It was like, we're going to start a church in a home with six people. No backing from a, a, a church, no sending church, no... Provision, it was like six people in our little triplex with an idea, let's start a church. Ever started a church before? No. Have you had training? No. But I've been to theological college. And, uh, and then, of course, 2017, we're going to leave our church. We're going to hand our church over. Again, 
very vulnerable. 23 years of being a pastor, it became, in a sense, though it was challenging, it was familiar. It was all I really know how to do. That's what I've been trained for. Sharing with the church about my journey with anxiety was very much being vulnerable. What if people lose confidence in my leadership? A funny time, because sometimes vulnerability is a funny sort of thing. One time I felt very vulnerable was when I was in India preaching. And I woke up six in the morning with a, a very upset stomach. And I had gastro full on. And I preached at 9am. They had to relocate the church into a parking area. It was very hot, very humid, and there were no toilets. And it was getting worse and worse. And the worship went for a long time. The introduction for me went for a long time. And then I got to preach. And it was just, Rob, whatever you do, don't sneeze. <laughs> you know where I'm coming from. And of course, what, what would be, how it works there, you do, you preach, and then everyone in the church wants the Western guy because West is best, and they want you to pray for them. And, you know, there are people I'm praying for them, and then they're on the phone, wait, wait, wait. Okay, Dad, he's on the phone now. He, he, he's very anointed. Okay, can you pray for my dad? He's, he's got cancer. Oh, my God, I just need to go. Anyhow, about another hour later of praying, then the couple said, oh, we'd like to take you out for lunch. It's like, oh, I really need to go home. But I realised culturally that would be very offensive. So we took out to a restaurant that at least had a cafe and of course it was lots of chili and I'm going my last thing I need is chili so there was a time I felt vulnerable and it was rather funny although it wouldn't have been funny if I sneezed <laughs> but what about in your world where are the times you have felt vulnerable you felt exposed you felt what if and you hear of people of their journey of a spouse their partner is unfaithful and over a period of time, maybe some counselling, the other person believes God is saying to them, I want you to forgive them. I want you to stay in that relationship. Man, that is vulnerability because what if? What about a couple trying to have children? They've been trying for a few years, IVF. And after the third miscarriage, they sense let's try one more time but what if we lose a child some of you like me you're, you're struggling perhaps it could be marriage it could be your emotional world and you come to the point i need to ask for help but there's something in you that i need help but to ask for help you feel vulnerable you may be experiencing chronic pain, a terminal illness, and you don't know what your future looks like, and that is a time of vulnerability. And working in aged care for the last uh, 18 months, of going on a journey with all of these beautiful people, some as young as you know, mid-late 60s, and they know you don't leave and go home in aged care. This is, as one resident said, you leave in a body bag. And so you've lost your mobility, you've lost your independence, you've lost dignity. For some of them, they've lost their, their partner, their spouse. For some of them, they've, I've had one lady recently said, I've got two sons, but one sa son says, I don't have a mother. Never visits, never rings. And so here is a time for these beautiful people 
who really do understand vulnerability. Where are you right now feeling vulnerable? Vulnerable in your marriage, maybe you're in your 30s and 40s and single and, you know, what if I never get married? In fact, that what if often captures the essence of vulnerability, that sense of the unpredictable, the unknown. What if I make a mistake? What if I make a fool of myself? What if I do speak the truth? How will they respond? What if I get hurt? What if I can't pay my mortgage? What if I don't get better? The questions that we ask, and it's all about raw vulnerability. And of course, our brain is amazing. And in the last 20 or so years, neuroscience, we're, we're finding out more and more about our brain, particularly that little part, that very primal part. Some call it the lizard brain, that, that real primal part that's all about protection, where that part of the brain constantly says, be careful. And we need to hear that message from time to time, standing on an edge of a cliff. And, uh, you know, they go, whoo, and, and this little voice, be careful. No, you need to listen to that because you could fall down and it won't be pretty. You're driving on a wet evening, there's no lights, and then there's a sign, Hepping Corner. You look at your speed, 80 kilometres an hour, and that little message, slow down. You need to listen to that. I wonder what would happen if I just put on the handbrake. Woo! <laughs> But of course, there's more to life than being safe. And so we've got to teach that part of the brain and we've got to almost speak into our world. Life isn't just about safety and protection and avoiding vulnerability. So the question is, where is God in our vulnerability? Is God disappointed in our vulnerability when we're fearful and anxious? Is God removed? Does God distance himself? Where is God in our vulnerability? Well, let me answer that question this way. Remember that first Christmas, which in, I don't know how many sleeps before Christmas, but you know that first Christmas? The birth of Jesus is a narrative of vulnerability. Yeah, we've seen all the cards and they're all cute, the little lambs and the star and little baby Jesus and halo and the whole thing, but it really was a time of vulnerability. Because let's face it, today, yes, but more so first century, the most vulnerable place to be is in your mother's womb, particularly when you're being occupied by the Roman Empire. I mean, life is, you know, to, to live to your 40s, you're doing well. But to be a woman who's a virgin who's also pregnant, takes a lot of explaining in a, a Jewish culture that values virginity and purity. But what about Jesus himself? Even before the birth, there was this time that Jesus is with God the Father and God the Spirit and all these angels, and then there's a time, whew, he's gone. Where is he? He's in her. Jesus, the glorious pre-existent eternal son of God has been reduced to a single fertilized egg in the womb of a teenage girl. Now there's vulnerability. 
God the Father and God the Spirit are going, oh my gosh. Never have we ever experienced vulnerability like that. At the age of 30, Jesus begins his public ministry. He doesn't set up an office with business cards and computers and, you know, nice chair. First thing that happens after his baptism is Holy Spirit drives him into the wilderness to be alone for the first time in eternity, to be alone for 40 days and not eat. And it's after that time the devil shows up. You could turn that stone into bread. Gluten-free, that works for you, but <laughs> that's vulnerability. You've been alone for 40 days, you haven't eaten, you have the power. He knew vulnerability, but he said no. And then Jesus begins his ministry. And if you look at the people he ministered to, he ministered primarily to people who understood brokenness and vulnerability. For people like lepers and the blind and the lame who understood vulnerability, part of a, a religious system that has no compassion for them, that they're seen as spiritual outsiders, that God has somehow punished them. They are so vulnerable. There is no welfare. There is no way to look after yourself apart from begging. And yet Jesus ministered to them. What about the woman caught in the act of adultery? They're all the religious men ready to stone her to death. Always wondered where the guy was. Hmm. And yet Jesus protected her and said, you can now leave. Just don't do that again. And then discipleship. Not come and follow me and be comfortable. But Jesus said in Matthew 10, 16, I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves. To follow me is to be vulnerable. To follow me is costly. He didn't say, I'm going to send you out as sheep among guinea pigs. I'm going to send you as sheep among wolves, ferocious wolves. And then we come to the crucifixion, as Mark has already said so, uh, so well, of Jesus on the cross. He's been interrogated He's been tortured, his whole back and back of his legs and buttocks and has just been shredded. Chances are you could see some of his organs. He's just been ripped to shreds. He's been humiliated. He's possibly naked on the cross and he says these words captured in Matthew 27, 46. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's vulnerability. That is the cry of abandonment, fulfilling the ancient prophecy found in Psalm 22. But this sense of, again, first time in eternity, the Son of God is abandoned. For the first time in eternity, he who was without sin became sin. Jesus was covered in sin so we can be covered in his righteousness. Jesus was naked and vulnerable so that our spiritual and emotional nakedness can be covered and he can take away that vulnerability of the wages of sin is death. So where is God in our vulnerability? God is not removed from our vulnerability. God is moved by our vulnerability. 
Isaiah said, in our distress, he too, God, is distress. God feels our pain. God feels our brokenness. God knows what it's like firsthand to be vulnerable. God knows what it is to be human. God knows what it is to be homeless. God knows what it is to be hungry and thirsty. God knows what it is to be tempted. God knows what it is to be betrayed. God knows what it is to be tortured. God knows what it is to be a refugee. God understands our vulnerability. But it's even better than that. Jesus didn't come just to identify with our vulnerability. Jesus came to transform our vulnerability so that we, like Jesus, can experience vulnerability but be victorious in this world. So when we think about vulnerability, what, what words come to mind? What feelings, what emotions? And I think if a lot of us are honest, when we think about vulnerability, we just see it as weakness. Like if you were to share your struggles, your thought life, your doubts, if you were to be vulnerable, there's a part, oh, but that's weakness. Oh, I've got to man up. And so what a lot of us do when we see vulnerability as weakness, this is what we do. We deny our vulnerability. What vulnerability? I'm all good. Should be right, mate. We hide our vulnerability. I don't want people to see my vulnerability. Because if you see my vulnerability, you may reject me. You may be disappointed in me. We numb our vulnerability. I'll just drink more, sleep more, eat more, watch more TV. Just numb the pain of vulnerability. Or we might even compensate. I'm just going to go over the top and just, you know... I'm not saying all alpha males like that, but there are some people we meet and, you know, they're just bold and charismatic and they're just bold up, you know, they're just like these bulldozers and they're just so confident and yet underneath vulnerability, insecurity, but I'm just not going to let people on on what's happening in my world. I'm going to compensate and be this ruthless, charismatic, entrepreneurial. I'm not an alpha male. I think I'm more of an omega male. But anyhow, that's not a good way to deal with vulnerability. What we need, and Holy Spirit, I pray this morning that you will help renew our mind, that we have a paradigm shift when it comes to vulnerability, that we don't see vulnerability as weakness, we see vulnerability as being courageous because it takes courage to share how you really feel. It takes courage to embrace our vulnerability. It has taken courage <laughs> to preach and to write and to mentor and wherever I go, it's like this is who Rob Mason really is. This has been my struggle and all the time there is a risk of being misunderstood, of being rejected. But really, the payday is, whoa, shame cannot coexist with transparency and vulnerability. That when I share vulnerability, it, it, it's like it releases something in other people. Wow, if he can, I can. And it's like as he's vulnerable, it's almost like there's a joy in vulnerability there's an anointing in vulnerability. There's an audacity in being vulnerability. 
So the cure or the antidote for vulnerability is faith. And faith, you've probably seen this, social media is spelt R-I-S-K. We put our faith in God that he is always with us. It was David who wrote these words in Psalm 23, who understood the vulnerability of being a shepherd, lions and bears attacking your sheep, drought trying to find green pastures, but then the vulnerability of being a king, and yet you're chased down by the king that has been dethroned, who hasn't quite got the message, who is insecure, where there is rage and depression and jealousy. And so you spend those first few years of being a king in the wilderness, knowing particularly at night, what if Saul tracks me down and when I'm asleep, he gets his spear and wow! Out of this experience of vulnerability, he wrote these words in Psalm 23, verse 4. Even when I walk through the dark valley of death, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Even if I walk through this dark valley, God is with me. That's all we need to know. As we become aware of the areas in life we feel vulnerable. Don't deny it, don't hide it, don't compensate, don't numb it. But think, whoa, this is worth celebrating because I'm not alone in my vulnerability. I hand over my vulnerability to Jesus, the Good Shepherd, and then I take hold of his hand and together we go through the dark valley. So complete this sentence, even though I walk through, I will not be afraid, for you are with me. Even though I walk through bankruptcy, even though I walk through, we can't pay the mortgage. Even though I walk through I think as a couple we need counselling and I don't know what the counselling is going to expose. Even though I walk through, I think I need to share with someone that I've got doubts about my faith and my salvation and that Jesus is the Son of God. Even though I walk through, I've got a child who is sick, who is gravely ill and I need help. Even though I walk through, I would not be afraid I'm vulnerable, but I won't be afraid because God is with me. So this is what the journey of vulnerability can look like. And please don't misunderstand me that each stage, well, this is going to take a day or this will take a week. This could actually happen in a moment. And this is where we start with vulnerability. We accept it. We accept our vulnerability. For goodness sake, we're all in this together. You're not alone, you're not different, you're not worse, you're not less, you're not inferior. We are all vulnerable together. So we accept it. That's a start. And for some of you, even accepting your vulnerability today will... You'll walk out of this place just feeling a little bit lighter. But you see, there's more in the journey. You don't just want to accept it. You want to actually embrace vulnerability. 
to actually lean into vulnerability and not even see vulnerability as our enemy. Vulnerability is my friend. We embrace it. It's like for, for a lot of you, you accept all these friend requests in social media. You don't really know who they are, but I'll accept you. Well, that's a start. But to embrace that person, hey, let's do life together. Let's go out and have a meal. Accept vulnerability, embrace vulnerability, but see, there's more. Now we get to leverage our vulnerability. We allow God to come in with our vulnerability and say, you know what? I'm going to redeem that. What was intended to pull you down and to dismantle you and to disqualify you, I'm going to turn it around. I'm going to leverage it. It's actually going to be your strength. Your pain can be your platform. And so for all of the years of wrestling with my relationship with my earthly father of abandonment and neglect and then going through the whole journey of anxiety disorder and counseling and panic attacks and setbacks and medication and going off medication going back on medication and it's like God's saying hey let's write a book together let your pain be a platform share your vulnerability and allow that to be a catalyst for other people to go Oh, I'm not alone. You see, now my weak spot is my sweet spot. I'm at my best when I'm at my worst. I'm learning through Holy Spirit to leverage. It's almost like let's go public about your brokenness. Let's go public about your vulnerability. I want you to preach about it. I want you to write about it. I want you to mentor people through it. And so now it's like leverage. But there's one other part on the journey, and it can only happen when we accept it, embrace it, and leverage it. That is, we celebrate our vulnerability. Because David didn't just say, even though I walk through, you are with me. Verse 5, God prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemies. So as we accept our vulnerability, embrace and leverage, it's like God is like, okay, Rob, you guys, come around and sit around the table. We are going to celebrate your vulnerability. We're going to celebrate that you have allowed me to be even more vulnerable, to leverage it, to go public, to write about it, to speak about it, to share it with others, to get help and all those other things. And the enemy have been invited not to sit at the table, but they have to watch from a distance. They're under my authority. And so shame is watching. Humiliation is watching. Unbelief is watching. Fear is watching. And all of this demonic realm are watching you celebrate and eating at the table of the Father. And there's food and there's wine and there's music and there's nothing they can do about it. It's like, ah, what we intended to ruin them, to dismantle them, God has come in, he's leveraged it, and they're now having a party about their brokenness and their vulnerability, and there's nothing they can do about it. And when the party is finished, we walk out of the place, and we are free of fear and shame, and we continue to do life 
feeling vulnerable. We do it afraid. So remember this sentence. What is it for you? Even though I walk through, I will not be afraid because you are with me. Closing thought. We often think about vulnerability as an individual, maybe at times as a couple. But there is also a shared vulnerability as a local church, as a community. And over the last couple of years, I'm sure Mark and many of you have felt vulnerable with what if this and what if that, what if they leave? Because if they leave, then they'll leave and then this will happen. I, I remember those days. But there's something about coming together, sharing each other's vulnerability and the corporate, the communal vulnerability, because the beautiful thing is, when you do life together and you do it afraid and you do it though vulnerable, you guys then get to celebrate together. God is with us. God bless you guys. Great.